Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John is on vacation this week. I'm here with Deborah Mark giving you the news updates. And of course, word came down last night that the, uh, the word legendary doesn't even go far enough. Vin Scully, who was the voice of the Dodgers for 67 years. You think about this. This was the longest tenured broadcaster with a single team in pro sports history. But he was more than that to the people that followed the Dodgers over the years because he was their connection to the team through the radio or through the television. He died last night at his home at Hidden Hills at the age of 94. We have an opportunity now to talk to another Dodger legend. He's a broadcaster with the team now. He was a player, part of the 1981 World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers, Rick Monday. Rick, welcome to the show. Ken, good afternoon. Uh, yeah, last night was uh, a difficult night for uh, those of us that knew Ben, but quite frankly, I think anyone that ever listened to a Dodger broadcast um, – was a friend of Vin Scully or felt that, that Vinny was a friend of theirs. Um, I go way back, uh, growing up in Santa Monica. When the Dodgers first came out, um, I, I was already uh, attracted to the game of baseball. I was fascinated by it, even as a kid. And growing up, my mom, a single parent, as if you know, and too young to drive, when we listened to the Dodger games, Vin Scully and, and his broadcast partner, Jerry, Jerry Doggett at the time, we're in the car, and that's how I learned a lot more about baseball. And I learned uh, a whole lot about somebody that I think all of us, and when I say all of us, I think millions and millions of people over the years had really looked at Vinny as a friend. And every time you listen to a broadcast, and it was almost like when you listen to Vin begin to do a game, it was like he was reaching through the radio or reaching through the television and putting a friendly hand on your shoulder and saying, Hey, look, I don't know how difficult your day was today, but for the next three hours, it's just going to be you and me, a couple of friends. And we're going to talk about and listen and or watch a baseball game. And I think that's how he really impressed everyone 
because whether you knew him for 20 years or 20 seconds, he always felt and you felt like he was a friend at all times. When you joined the Dodger broadcast team, what was it like in your introduction to Vin Scully at that level? Well, at that level, it, uh, it had been a little bit different because, um, you know, growing up and being around the Dodgers organization at time of the sort of trying to sign me, Tommy was a scout at the time when I was in Santa Monica High School and trying to figure out if I was going to sign professionally or, or go to college at that particular time, wound up going to Arizona State. But I was around the Dodgers organization for a little bit, had not met Finney, not on a one-on-one situation. Uh, I did when I was playing in the National League. The irony of it is, is it my first introduction really to Vinny when I was a member of the Chicago Cubs. It also happened to be, I think, my sixth or seventh year in the Major League uh, to begin with. And ironically enough, I, I don't think it really set into my mother that I was in the Major Leagues until she heard the Dodgers at Wrigley Field playing against the Cubs and Vin Scully announced the name of Rick Monday. And for the first time, my mother heard uh, Vinny mention her son's name. And my mom and I laughed about it later on and said, well, you know, it, it really took about six years for you to understand that I was already in the big leagues. She says, yeah, but Vin Scully made it official when she heard my name. Yeah, that must have been very special. Everybody wants their parents' acceptance and love over their achievement. And that must oh, yeah. that, that really did it and for you. Fight for it. We fight for it, and we wonder if we're, if we're uh, you know, worthy of it, and have we proved it, and, and everything else. But it was kind of a comical story, and I told Vin that that story once, and he just laughed and laughed. But uh, it, it, the memories that we have of Vin are so precious. And I think of all of the great players over the years that have have put on a Dodger uniform uh, and and Hall of Famers. I, I really truly believe that the all time MVP in the Dodgers has been Ben Scully, who has presented the game of baseball in such a magnificent manner to millions and millions of people, whether they're Dodger fans or just baseball fans. And, and we're kind of getting a, a sense of that, quite frankly, Ken, up here in San Francisco. Because when we got word last night that Vinny had passed, obviously there's a great deal of sadness. Uh, we knew that he was struggling the last number of weeks, but it, it is never easy to lose a friend and when I came on the air and and tried as best I could to to get words out right. uh, about a word master, uh, Ben Scully, it was difficult. And, and the irony of it is we were sitting only 60 feet away from the booth that Ben Scully made his last broadcast for the Dodgers uh, here in San Francisco. And it was uh, uh, it, it was a night full of emotion. Uh, it, it has been a day full of emotion. And while we miss our friend, I really cherish the memories and the moments that we were able to share, hear, or just witness. Can you tell us something about Vin Scully we might not know? And I realize he was kind of a private person and he was very humble. And he almost didn't want to um, have his own celebrity recognized. But is there something you're absolutely that you can... right. Yeah. And you know him better than better than most people because Vin, with with all, Vinny never never um, for a moment dwelled on the fact that he was loved by everyone and he did not believe that he was royalty, and yet all of us uh, serving as mere mortals uh, thought that he was. <laughs> 
And we spent wonderful times in the back dining room at Dodger Stadium before ball games uh, with the late Billy Delury, who who joined the Dodgers one year after Vinny did in Brooklyn, and Charlie Steiner and I. And we would sit down, the four of us, and have dinner. Occasionally, Tommy Lasorda would come by and have dinner with us. But the stories back there, including when Vin first came out to Los Angeles, talking about one night um, in, in just a kind of a, a almost not a, a throwaway conversation, but a conversation that he didn't think that was that big of a deal. Uh, we learned that his neighbor, when he first came out to Los Angeles, was none other than John Wooden. And and they struck up a wonderful friendship for a number, a number of years. But just little things about Vinny growing up and, uh, and playing baseball at Fordham. And one thing that he said is that one day Gil Hodges asked him to put on the uniform, knowing he had played college ball. And uh, he went to the outfield and he says, there was a baseball that was hit a line drive. He said, before I could put my glove up to catch it, the ball was past me. And he says, at that moment, I just very quietly walked off the field. I took off the uniform and I never went back on the field again because I realized, even though I was invited by the great Gil Hodges, I had no business being on that field because the ball was way too fast from what I'd ever seen it before. <laughs> he had a good judgment even of himself. Uh, when you joined the Dodger broadcast team, did you feel any way that you had to sort of imitate Vin Scully's style? Did it have an influence? Did it kind of intimidate you? Uh, intimidation is not a large enough word. Um, he, a word master, uh, owns the English language, had listened to him since I was a kid, mesmerized by the game that he was calling, and then I remember the first night he said to me, um, he said, remember, all you can be is who you are. You can never be anyone else and don't ever try and be anyone else. And that was a, it's a great thing for someone, uh, an icon to be able to say. But for us mere mortals, we're saying, how on earth can I be myself? I don't know who I am to begin with. <laughs> and especially when you're listening to a guy that's right next to you that owns the English language. Um, it, it was intimidating. He was gentle. And, uh, and I, I think all of us uh, somehow or some way have gotten a better understanding of baseball without question, uh, humility without question, and uh, love for our family and faith because Benny represented that each and every day of his life. All right, Rick, I know you have a game tonight. I appreciate you spending a few minutes with me. Thank you very much. My pleasure. My pleasure. We lost a friend, but the memories, uh, the memories don't go away. All right. Rick Monday, another Dodger legend and, of course, part of the broadcast team. Our station down the hall, the Dodger station, uh, AM 570 KLAC. Rick Monday. More coming up on the John and Ken Show here on KFI. Heads up, because next hour, uh, I'm going to be talking to the man that defended himself at the Norco Liquor Store the other night against armed robbers. All right. His name is Craig Cope. I'll be talking to him at 5.05, a special conversation. He did not hesitate. He realized this could be really bad news. So he pulled out his shotgun and he fired at the armed assailant and got him. So that is coming up right after 5 o'clock. We'll get an update after 4.30 from the father of a man who was badly injured in that 7-Eleven robbery spree that occurred a month or so back. Remember that duo that finally got arrested? They hit a bunch of 7-Elevens. One of them was in Riverside, where this man was shot, 
shot in the head too and uh, gravely injured. But we're going to get an update from his dad. And of course, there's a GoFundMe for this man that has raised a tremendous amount of money thanks to our listeners. So uh, you are owed an update. And that's coming after the news at 4.30. Deborah Mark, did you ever see somebody famous in public? Yes. And think about whether or not you should go up and try to say hello, especially if it's somebody you really adored or, you know, watch them play sports or watch them in movies or TV shows. And yes. See, Vince Scully is the kind of guy that I think if you did go up to him, he would smile and he would be very kind. I think so, too. Yeah, right. The last celebrity I saw in, in public at the airport was Sean Penn. Did you go say hi? I did not. No. <laughs> and you know what? That's the second time in a year I've run into him. Isn't that weird? Really? Yes. I had to have some rehab because I had some bad back problems a few years back. And I went to this place on the west side, this medical building. And there he was sitting outside on a bench smoking. And I had the same thing, but I decided I passed. I'm Not that I'm a, not a fan or a big fan. I, And he's kind of strange. So I just <laughs> decided I wasn't going to take that chance. But Vin Scully, I mean, I did have a chance to meet him briefly when John and I went up into the press area of Dodger Stadium for a game. Just He just uh, said hello. And as I mentioned, when I talked to uh, Petros earlier in the show, John started to explain who we were. He said, I know John and Ken, I know who you are. That's so. really cool. Yeah, he was stood. I couldn't figure out whether it was sarcastic because, you know, don't be an idiot. Of course, I know who you are. And of course, maybe the eyes are rolling. Yeah, I know who you two are, troublemakers. <laughs> I don't think that. Right. So uh, what's amazing about this, and you think about this, I mean, he starts his career as a Dodger broadcaster at 1950. <laughs> The era of Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson on the Dodgers, and then through the 60s with Drysdale and Sandy Koufax, the 70s, Steve Garvey, Don Sutton, the 80s, Oral Hershiser, Fernando Valenzuela, remember all Fernando oh, Mania? Yeah. And the 90s, Mike Piazza, Hideo Nomo, and now we got Clayton Kershaw, and then we had Manny Ramirez, Yasiel Puig in the 21st century, and of course the current Dodger teams, which are the best in years, since they may be on their way to winning another World Series. So we bring in the Duke of Sports, because you know what? What is a guy in his 20s? Make a Vin Scully, because he's such a legend, been around so long. But of course, uh, Eric Sklar, our technical director, known as the Duke of Sports, follows everything in the sports world. And I wanted to hear his reflections for a few minutes on, on Vin Scully. I mean, Vin Scully is the soundtrack to my childhood in the summer. I, we've, we've kind of heard it from Petros, from, from Rick Monday, and from some of your memories as well, Ken. I mean, Vin Scully, I think he was he was the ultimate storyteller. And I mean... I just I remember sitting down watching games with my grandpa and I'd be trying to ask my grandpa questions during the game in the middle of it all and my grandpa would just say something along the lines of just shh, like just just listen to Vinny he'll he'll tell you the answer and sure enough every time Vin would have an answer or a story about whatever I was asking about in the game and I mean, just just so many iconic moments. I mean, I remember the I played it in in the tribute. I put it in the tribute. The mm -hmm. game where the Dodgers beat the the San Diego Padres in the tenth inning when Nomar Garcia Parra hits the the two run home run for the walk off. But in the ninth inning, the Dodgers were trailing nine to five, and then they hit four home runs in a row mm -hmm. in the bottom of the ninth inning to tie the game. And I mean, one of one of the all time moments in my life. Um, the Steve Finley Grand Slam to win the division. I remember I was at my great-grandmother's assisted living facility in Beverly Hills, and we were moving rooms. Uh, we were moving her rooms, and I had the, the game on in, 
on the TV in the room we were moving her into. And as soon as the ninth inning came up, I, I stopped and sat down and I watched the ninth inning. And Steve Finley hits a grand slam home run to win the game and win the division for the Dodgers. I think it was like 2005, 2006. And I just I remember Vin's call of that. And I mean, it, there's just so many come come to mind. And really, L.A. sports fans, I think. We've been spoiled. We had Dave Miller for the the Kings. We had Chick Hearn for the Lakers, and and Vin Scully for the Dodgers. It's nah, what? Ray's yelling Ralph Lawler. No one cares. Nah, Ralph Lawler's Ralph Lawler. He's great, but he's the Clippers. The Clippers. <laughs> um, uh, you're right because today they're constantly switching announcers with many teams. Yes, and it's I will just, say there's no patience anymore with anybody. Yeah, and I, I will say, I mean, Joe Davis has done an incredible job filling in for Vin Scully since Vin has retired. And I mean, no one will ever replace Vin, but I think Dodgers, Dodgers fans got lucky with, with Joe replacing him. Yeah. I, I wanted to call you in too, because you're younger and the fact that radio, you know, has lost its appeal somewhat where people are more glued to their phones. It's funny though. Their devices. And they're more like, or if I'm going to, if I'm going to pay attention to Dodgers at all, I want to have the TV on. And of course Vince is on TV too, but, but I'm, I'm talking about the real way that he really cemented his relationship with everybody was through the radio. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's funny though, because when I was younger, obviously my parents had a set bedtime for me. And no matter if the game was still going, I had to go to bed and I would just pretend to go to sleep and I would have a little radio in my room and I would turn it on and I would listen to the end of Laker games with Chick Hearn, the end of Dodger games with Vin Scully, and that's how I would fall asleep. <laughs> All right, that's the Duke of Sports. It's our uh, technical director, Eric Sklar. And you will hear later on during the five o'clock hour, he put together a tribute to Vin Scully, his calls in sports over the years, most of them baseball, but there's football in there. There's the catch by Dwight Clark that everybody remember. I was a Cowboys fan then. Don't ask me why. I'm really a Jets fan, and now I'm Rams fan. But I was a Cowboys fan back in the 70s into the 80s, and that was a killer. Uh, but uh, And I, I actually had forgotten that he called that because uh, his football years announcing don't stick in my head, obviously, as much as his, his baseball. But that was, he was a national broadcaster when he did the, the NFL. He also did golf. So we'll be playing that in the 5 o'clock hour. Rick Coming up, flag grab, too. The Rick Monday flag grab is in the is in the tribute as well. Yeah, you did a good job putting together a lot of stuff from over the years of Vin Scully, even stuff from back in the day. Coming up next, Steve Paul is going to come back on the show. He's the father of a man by the name of Jason Harrell, who was shot in the 7-Eleven burglary in Riverside a few weeks back. They finally caught those two men that they believe were responsible for this crime spree in which a couple of people died and a number of others were wounded, including uh, Jason. He wants to give us an update on uh, his son's condition and to thank our listeners because the GoFundMe for Jason was very successful and obviously you can still give at GoFundMe. We'll find out more. Coming up next on the John and Ken Show on KFI, Craig Cope will join me at 5.05. He was behind the counter of his own liquor store in Norco early Sunday morning when he saw in a surveillance camera that there's something bad going on outside. Guys with masks, guys with guns, they pull in backwards for a fast getaway. They're going to come in here and rob me. So he was ready with his shotgun. And of course, he fired off a shot. And he got one of the robbers right there in the shoulder. He ran out screaming. He shot my arm off. And of course, this has gotten Craig a lot of international attention. Uh, we were lucky to get an interview with him. You'll hear it in its entirety. It's going to actually come in two parts because we spent some time with Craig to get the whole detail of the story. That'll come up after the news right away at 5.05.
here on the John and Ken show. Uh, now, one of the things we mentioned when we talked to Craig was those horrible 7-Eleven robberies that happened a month or two back. They did eventually arrest two Los Angeles men for robbing the 7-Elevens, but that wasn't the worst part. They shot people. Uh, they killed two people and wounded several others. And one of the men that they seriously wounded out in Riverside is Jason Harrell. His father, Steve Paul, reached out to us, came on the show to talk about Jason Harrell and his recovery. And then we pointed people to a GoFundMe. Okay, and we pointed people to a GoFundMe. Um, so he wrote to us today asking if he could come on the show for a follow-up on his son's condition. He wrote that he, he's in the hospital. He's been there for three weeks as of last Monday. And they wanted to come back on the show and talk with us about his progress and developments that haven't, that haven't been discussed too much in the media. So let's bring Steve Paul back onto the show. How are you, Steve? I'm doing great, Ken. How are you? Just fine. So I guess the real question is, how is Jason? Well, as you all know or don't know, um, he was shot below his left ear which paralyzed his whole right side, <clears throat> arm, leg, uh, eyeball. And then uh, in the last, it was three weeks ago, day before yesterday when this happened, on the, the 11th of July. And uh, about a day ago when my wife went in, she said, Jason, are you hungry? And the nurse and the uh, uh, sitter and my wife heard him say, yeah. Great. So <laughs> that's the only thing that's happened since I've spoken with you guys. He's been just in miserable pain, and uh, they're trying out different painkillers, uh, fentanyl, Oxycontin. It's just really heartbreaking to, to see, but I have to be there for him, and that's what I've been doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that, and uh, thank you for that. Uh, you're, he's going to need all the support he can get for what will probably, I guess, still be a long recovery, huh? Well, he's going to need, uh, yeah, they said he's going to need probably, you know, permanent care. And they'll know within about three months what damage was actually done because the swelling of the brain is still going down. And sometimes that swelling will uh, affect the areas. And when it goes away, they get those areas back. So we do have something, you know, to look forward to, hopefully. And, uh he is uh, still being tube fed through his stomach, through a tube, uh, sometimes assisted on his breathing. But I think that's some automatic thing if he's not taking enough, you know, breaths while he's while he's there. Um, now, yeah. So it, no, I was just going to ask you, I don't think we've talked to you since they arrested these two men uh, in, in connection well, with the 7-Eleven shooting and robbery spree. Well, we went through a little tragedy on that one, too, because the one uh, person that uh, shot our son, he's without bail. What happened was, is it uh, 46 or 47, and they don't let you be an accomplice to it, and they let you out on a lower bail now? Or Anyway, they gave him a $100,000 bail, Ken, if you can imagine that. My my uh, attorney, and I'm, I'm sorry, my uh, district attorney, Everybody called. They dug up so many charges against the guy. He's not getting out on bail as well. So we were kind of freaking out there for a few days until they got that information that could hold him, you know. So 
they're in for the duration of uh, 12 good men and women. Yeah, apparently there was the one man. This is something I didn't see an update on that one of the two men was the shooter. He was yes. not. And the other man was not seen in any of the surveillance camera photos that came out. So there was still some speculation. We talked to the Orange County District Attorney Todd Spitzer when these arrests were announced. They were arrested in L.A., but Todd Spitzer was in on the on the prosecution. Yeah. And he said we were they weren't sure what the other man's uh, involvement really was, that these two knew each other and that they were clearly um, conspiring to rob 7-Elevens, but he wasn't sure what this other man's involvement was. He was a neighbor, and they both were in some type of delivery service. Okay, I'm not but, sure what. But they, was he... Yeah, I just wondered, was he like a, dry, a getaway driver with the car, or was he there when these robberies and shootings took place, or do we not know that yet? Was he his mentor? You know, this oh, is all going to come much out, older. I'm sure. Yeah, he's 48, and the other guy that shot my son is 22. So, right. uh, <laughs> it's yeah, I'm I was, I'm glad if people you know get a little more info, but uh, they uh, they got, they caught up with him on on uh, past past charges and stuff that he uh, got complied on. I'm really glad too that they're doing this in Orange County. Yeah, you should be. Because in L.A. County, it really is just a terrible roulette wheel of justice that we have here. Yeah, the two, it's 20-year-old uh, Malik Pat and 44-year-old Jason Payne were the two guys yes, that were correct. arrested. And it said Pat is believed to be the primary suspect. The 20-year-old is the one that probably shot your son. And the 44-year-old, yes. they were still trying to uh, come up with his role in all this. You think it may have been his mentor that they may have plotted these robberies or... You know, it, it's just thoughts that came to our, my family. We all kind of thought it all at once. So, you know, I don't know. I, it's it's probably the way we were brought up and everything to think that way. But it just seems kind of odd that that uh, age difference would be there for someone to be going out and doing these things. Yeah. What did you think of the story this week with the uh, with the Craig, uh, the the Norco liquor store owner who shot back at the robber that came in with the gun? Have you have you been following that one? I sure wish our son was going in there instead of the 7-Eleven because he'd still be on two feet right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, Steve, so, give the uh, give the GoFundMe again for your son. We know that our listeners really pitched oh, in to help out. Could, and, I, uh, could I please, could I please uh, thank everyone for that, Ken? Oh, or, yeah, absolutely. I, I, Go ahead. Um, all your guys' compassion and all your love and all of your, your prayers – have met with incredible, awesome, you know, belief that there's still actually good people out there. Um, we, my, my wife and our immediate family wanted to extend our most heartfelt thanks to everyone. And uh, we're getting pretty close to where we'll be okay for a couple months. And I was just hoping maybe we could uh, have you share with some friends out there and everything. But the main thing I wanted to say is thank all of you. Okay. Uh, the uh, the uh, GoFund site is Seven uh, Eleven. Uh, uh, shoot, here we go. Seven Eleven uh, gunshot victim on Seven Eleven Twenty Twenty Two. Right. Okay, and of course the name associated with it is your son Jason Harrell. Yes. Okay. If folks still want to give, maybe we'll put a link back up there because uh, 
we're rooting for him, Steve, and hopefully uh, he'll make a comeback. As you told us earlier in this interview, he did answer that he was hungry, right? He said he said one word in the last three three weeks. So well, pro- get, progress may I be slow, to... but hopefully there's progress. Uh, oh my gosh, we were very happy about that. But uh, I also wanted to thank KFI. Their generosity is overwhelming, and you guys, like I said, I've listened to you guys forever for many, many, many years. So I appreciate you, and thank you as well. All right, Steve Paul, we appreciate you coming back on, and give our best to your son, Jason. I sure will. Thank you, Ken. All right, that's Steve Paul. His son is Jason Harrell. He is one of the people that was shot in the 7-Eleven crime spree, particularly the one that occurred on the morning of July 11th where they knocked off a bunch of 7-Elevens and horribly, horribly had to shoot people, including Steve's son, Jason, who got shot right in the head. And uh, recovery seems to be incremental, but at least it's happening where he uttered a word. That's something. It could be months or years. But the family's hanging in there, and you can check out the GoFundMe for Jason Harrell. More coming up on the John and Ken Show on KFI AM 640. Right after the news at 5 o'clock is Craig Cope. You've heard a lot about him in the last several days. He's being sought out for interviews from all over the country, even beyond in Canada and other countries. He is the man who was behind the counter at his own liquor store in Norco. And when he saw what was going on outside in the parking lot very early in the morning on Sunday, he knew it wasn't good news. So he positioned himself with his shotgun. And sure enough, when one of the robbers came in, waving his gun in the air and telling everybody hands off. Of course, Craig was the only one in the store. He took no chances and he fired. And he got that guy on the shoulder. Don't know his condition. He was listed as critical. They arrested all four men because they did take the injured guy to the hospital. And that's where the police caught up with them. Not that long after this attempted robbery because apparently Craig said the cops got there pretty quick. So I'll talk to him at 5.05. You'll hear his story in his own words. A very, very humble guy. And speaking of humble, Vince Scully, of course, Passed away at the age of 94. I think what they say is, you know, you celebrate the life because if you lived in 94 and you've had a life like Vince Scully, you really just want to, you're sad, but you also want to celebrate it because it was amazing. Uh, 67 years, the voice of the Dodgers. And they're going to light up City Hall in blue, Dodger blue tonight to honor Vince Scully. The tributes, I'm sure, will continue for days and weeks after this. Um, Deborah Mark, do you have a backyard? Uh Kind of. It, it's it's more like a front yard, but we consider it a backyard. I, it's a very unusual house. Well, when I saw this story on the news the other night, I thought, wow, there's nothing people won't do now. And apps just make it so easy to do. Of course, everybody's familiar with Airbnb, where you can rent somebody's home when they're not there. Or maybe it's an extra home they have that they rent out to people for a week or a weekend or whatever. I mean, that took off like crazy. But now in this era of inflation and people always trying to get, you know, smart about making a buck, there is an app where you can rent out your backyard for dogs to play in. Oh, that's so cute. All I thought of was the poop. Well, so you it's get a called, scooper. You got to clean up the mess every time you have a group of dogs that leaves your yard. It's just foul. It takes Why five would... minutes. Really? It's not a what big if it's, deal. What if, what if it's big dogs that... Yeah, that is kind of gross. Oh, yeah, because you have these little creatures that just, Yeah, they're small, yeah. Like pebbles come out. Uh, Sniff Spot is the name of the app 
The founder is David Adams. Sniff Spot is by dog lovers for dog lovers, which is why I mentioned you because I thought, you know, you love your dogs, you're a dog lover. Maybe you'd want to have a few more over in your backyard if you rented it out for an hour or two for the dogs to play in. Because I, I, I've seen this problem where I live in other places. People complain there aren't enough dog parks. Very true. In L.A., that's probably really true, isn't it? Yes. Do you have any near you? Well, yes, I do go to this one. It's not really a traditional dog park, and you're really not supposed to bring dogs, but everybody does, and everybody lets their dogs go. Yeah, it's funny you said that. There's a park down the street from me. Yeah. And I see dogs in there all the time, but one day I took a closer look, and the sign says no dogs. Yeah, same thing where I go, but everybody does it. Yeah, so there's no enforcement. No, not at all. The big thing they're trying to do where I live now is make sure you have your dog on a leash if you're walking around, because a lot of people like to do that here, too. Just let their dogs run crazy. It's just it's a trail and a path that the dog can run ahead. And I'm free. I'm free. And they look really wild and excited. But uh, <laughs> that can get out of control pretty quickly if they run into another dog or some animal they chase. They get run over by a car. Oh. Then it's not so much fun anymore. And, of course, the gold standard is the dog beach, which they those are really rare, particularly in L.A. County, to have a dog beach. Long Beach has a pretty big one. You ever been down there? No. Pretty big dog beach. No. I've never taken my dogs to the beach. The San Diego dog beach is awesome. I would go down there with my aunt and she would bring her dogs. It was so cool. So much fun. It is. I don't even have a dog, but sometimes if I'm there, I do watch them play. It's funny to see all the dogs (laughs) run around like nuts jumping on each other. It is fun. Uh, So that's Sniff Spot. The other opportunity that you might have and... I don't know the answer to this, but I'll ask you, do you have a backyard pool? Yes. Ah, you can rent that out too now. For dogs? No, for people to party. <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. No, thank you. No way. A dog party in the pool would be cute. I'm not renting it out to people. God, no. So you're okay with dogs in your backyard, but you wouldn't want to have yeah, people in your pool. No. So you uh, clean up dog poop, but not human poop? Absolutely. Yeah, imagine you have people vomiting in your pool oh, and partying. Yeah. and. no. I, I wouldn't do either. I don't have a yard. And if I had a pool, I wouldn't rent it out to strangers. But I, I can understand some people want to make a little money on the side so they don't want to pass up an opportunity uh, this. Uh, now, the thing about it that I wondered, you have to be present with your dog and the dogs are required to be vaccinated. Mm, makes sense. I don't know. Maybe you upload something online to prove that. Sniff Spot provides... $2 million of liability insurance for the hosts. So that's, uh, they must take a cut of whatever money is paid for this from the app. So that's how they can cover the liability insurance. Yeah, the dog bites another dog and you have to take it to the hospital. Or the vet. Yeah, although, well, I guess if you did this, you could bring a group of neighborhood dogs with you, like your friends could all get together and rent somebody's backyard to have them run around for an hour or two. I guess you could do that, but you're right. Something could go wrong. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Then the app about renting pools that are local to you, um, they offer $1 million in insurance for hosts for every single booking. Because that could be a liability, too. What if a kid drowns? Absolutely. Or somebody jumps in and hits their head. You are limited exclusively to the pool area, and there's an adult that has to know how to swim at all times It is there. So kind of like a lifeguard. They claim that they do inspections with a third party. Sometimes they bring in a pool maintenance company to make sure that your pool is kind of up to standards. And they claim they're not going to 
just, you know, have any riffraff dangerous pool. In other cases, we have our pool team reach out to someone and do a FaceTime sort of tour of the pool. Yeah, they do make money based on commission with their hosts. Both apps are hourly rentals. The host does set the price, the availability, and the rules. And it can range. It says here for the dogs, it's 4 to $20 an hour. It's not bad if you bring a group of people and a bunch of dogs. No. Pool rentals are 35 to 50 but that can get out of hand. It what if somebody has use. to use the restroom, Ken? Yeah, that's another good question. You're right. I don't think you get your inside house privileges ah. to use the restroom. Is there a tree? That's a, that's a good question, Deborah Mark. I don't know what happens because if you rent somebody's backyard pool for hours and you're having a good time, you could easily see the need to go to the bathroom. Absolutely. And I guess it's up to the, the homeowner to decide whether or not you get restroom privileges. All right, coming up next, my conversation with Craig Cope. Craig Cope is the man that decided he was going to take action when an armed robber entered his liquor store in Norco early Sunday morning. You'll hear his firsthand story coming up next. John and Ken show on KFI AM 640 and Deborah Mark has the news. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.